So, I mean, that, that was my team growing up in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. That, they were my team. Now, I, I loved him, and there's a player. I don't know if y'all recognize this this year or not, but there's a, a player on the Tennessee Titans named Derrick Henry. Did y'all see him this past year? He has the same attributes. You hand him the ball, and he, he's, he's going to kill you. He's absolutely going to kill you. Now, most running backs we see today, they'll hear their play called, blue 22, blue 22, left 35. They'll hear their play called, and when they hear their play called and they snap the ball, if the hole that they're supposed to be running through is blocked, they'll juke. They'll, you know, they'll turn right or they'll, they'll turn left and, and you know, try to, you know, because their hole's blocked, they, they'll, they'll go in a different direction. Not Riggins. Not John Riggins. The man did not have any juke moves, as y'all just saw. He, he did not care if his hole was blocked. He would lower his head and plow right through you. He, he was just, he was unbelievable. Now, number three, when Riggins was given the ball, it was fun to watch how many times he would get hit and never go down. Did y'all see that a few minutes ago? Uh, there, there was one time this, this commentator saw from the line of scrimmage where he ran through to the time he ran through the end zone, he was hit, touched, or tried to be tackled 12 times, and he never went down. Never went down. He absolutely would not go down. Fourth reason, he was my favorite football player, as he was versatile. versatile. As you saw in the, the, the video, uh, he, he, could, he could not only run the ball, but he could throw the ball. So he was a great player when you had a trick play in. Uh, how many running backs do y'all have, Coach, uh, on your team that, that y'all say, okay, look, we're going to have you throw the ball? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, no, no, no. They've got hands to hold, but they don't have hands to throw. They really don't. But Riggins did. He was versatile. Number five, when he was called upon to be a lead blocker for a person who was carrying the ball. See, he was supposed to be carrying the ball, but when somebody else was called to carry the ball and, and they asked him to be a lead blocker, he would knock your head off. Did y'all see that one play where he ran through the line and that defender came at him and he knocked his helmet off? I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong with the helmets today, but back in our day, back in my day, if you saw somebody's helmet got knocked off, that was a big deal. I mean, it happens every week now, doesn't it, Coach? But back in our day, if you got your helmet knocked off, you got hit hard. But that's how he was. Church, John Riggins is my all-time favorite player because he was a machine on the football field. A true force to be reckoned with. And, and there are many who did not like him on and off the field because his lack of social grace and decorum. But every person who played with him or against him respected him for his ability and desire to never, ever, ever quit, never stop, never go down. On the field, he averaged 3.9 yards a carry for his lifetime stats. Now, you only need 10 yards for a first down. So y'all do the math. All y'all had to do was give this man the ball. And listen... He is one of the reasons why the Washington Redskins were so successful in the 80s, one of the greatest generations of all times. The 80s. The 80s. Now, I know some of y'all are sitting here right now asking yourself, golly, why in the world did I come to this church this morning? 
I mean, the man's talking about football. Well, you know, what, what in the world does this have to do with the Bible or your sermon series that you're so proud of, you know, to spread what we, things we must do to spread the gospel? The answer to that question is seen by a person in our Bible that displayed many of the same attributes in his day as John Riggins in the day that he played the game. We're studying this man's life in detail on Wednesday night right here in this very sanctuary. And listen, it's free of charge. If it's free, if it's free, I'll... That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So let's look at Acts chapter 13 starting in verse 44. Acts 13, starting in verse 44. And the odd thing about what I'm getting ready to read is I could read this just about in any aspect of this man's life because it seems to be happening over and over and over again, the same things. Verse 44 says, The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. Isn't that, won't that just bless your heart? People are excited about the Word of God and the people who were supposed to be the most spiritual leaders of that time concerning God and affiliated with God were, were insulting the man who was preaching the Word of God. Oh me. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas boldly said, it was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and consider, uh, consi uh, reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you as a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 48 says, when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord. And all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. So the message of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the religious women, got the women stirred up, you in trouble, of high standing and leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. But shaking the dust off their feet against them, they proceeded to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we love you again. We thank you for this day. We pray that you forgive us of our sins and where we fail you, Lord. God, I pray that every person in here would just steal their hearts, open their minds, wake us, shake us, God, to hear this word from you. Not from me but from you this morning that we might be greater Christians to walk out in our mission fields to serve you in a greater way. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Now, what in the world, what, what can we see from what we've learned so far this morning? Everything that we learned so far this morning, what in the world can, can we see? Well, let me, let me start by saying this. Let's, let's go back to old John, John Riggins. John Griggins grew up in, in Kansas, played for the University of Kansas Jayhawks. He was the sixth overall first-round pick in the 1971 NFL draft by the New York Jets. Now, I was just one when that took place. Some of y'all remember that. Anybody in here remember that? I was just one. His first year with the Jets, he led the team in rushing and receiving yards. Rookie. 
This was the beginning of who John Riggins would become. Just the beginning. Now Paul, as we are studying this, looking at this morning, Paul was a Pharisee of the Sanhedrin, a persecutor of the newly forming church of Jesus Christ. Paul took his job very seriously as, as he went above and beyond what was asked of him in his daily duties, asking to pursue the fleeing Christians to arrest and imprison them, and if necessary, kill them for their acts of what he considered heresy towards God. Man was serious, wasn't he? He really was. But Jesus met Paul and personally commissioned him to proclaim the gospel to the, the Gentile world. This was Paul's beginning. We saw Riggins' beginning, and now we see Paul's beginning. Church, understand something. Please don't lose me here. Y'all stay with me. Each person who is in this room this morning, who calls themselves a Christian, should be able to recall your beginning. You ought to be able to look back at your walk with the Lord and remember your beginning, where you were, what you were doing, what Jesus called you out of, what he compelled you to do, where he set your life's path and gave you a goal. You ought to be able to remember your beginning. Listen, the, the very day that God called you to himself, the, the day that, that, that you entered what is called the priesthood of all believers. This is the day that God picked you. Y'all got to help me this morning. You do know that God picked you, right? This is the day that God picked you and pointed you in the right direction and started you moving forward to serving him, making his name known with a desire to make his name great amongst the nations. Listen, you should have a beginning. You should. Every single one of us should have a beginning. I was minding my own business. I was enjoying life, doing my thing. On, on December 31st of 1987, Sonia, I was minding my business. And I felt, Mr. Mr. Frank, I felt this, this, somebody was staring at me. Alec, you know what it's like. You know, I mean, you're you good looking like I was. I mean, this girl was staring me down across the room, couldn't figure out what was going on. Then we started talking. We went out on a couple of dates. After the second date, on the second week, she looks at me and she says, do you like me? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to continue dating me? Well, yeah. I'll see you at church in the morning. I married that woman. She's on the front row. Yes, sir. God has a strange way of calling you to himself. But listen to me. You all ought to have a beginning. Do you? Do you have a beginning? Now, now listen to this. In 1976, despite all of the broken records and success the team had seen, the New York Jets would not sit down with Riggins to negotiate a new contract with him. Now, y'all pay attention to this because y'all know how much them knotheads make today, right? Whoo! He, he was now a free agent and quickly signed with the Washington Redskins, who offered him a five-year, $1.5 million contract. 
for five years, not one, five, compared to the 63000 that he had earned the final year with the Jets. Riggins was not respected or appreciated by the Jets. Yet he did not quit. He kept moving forward. Likewise, we saw in our scripture this morning that when Paul preached the gospel message, his first response was, was that of great success. And just a week later, his, the very same people, the Jews, his own people, ran him out of town. Did y'all see that? Does that make sense to y'all? It does and it doesn't. I mean, Tony, this man had preached his guts out. The people were, were applauding. They, they couldn't get enough. And, and they were responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and the Jews didn't like it. They didn't like it. So we, we look at the first few verses of, of Acts 14 and see what did Paul, what, what did not, uh, what, what, when Paul was not appreciated. What did Paul not what, quit? Why did he not quit when he wasn't appreciated? Look at uh, uh, Acts 14, verse 1. It says this. The same thing happened in Iconium. What he had just gone through, here we, here we go again. The same thing happened in Iconium. They entered the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews, who refused to believe, stirred up and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against the brothers. So they stayed there for some time and spoke boldly in, in, in reliance to the Lord who testified to the message of, of his grace by granting that signs and wonders be performed through them. But the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews and some siding with the apostles. When, when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with the rulers to assault and stone them, they found out what uh, found out about it and fled to Laconium, towns uh, called Lystra and Derby, and to the surrounding countryside. And they were and there they kept evangelizing. This was a common theme. A man who was passionate filled with the Holy Spirit of God, going and preaching the Word of God, and he's not appreciated. They want to kill him. They want to get him out of town. They want to get rid of him as fast as they can. Church, I've learned many things while serving in the church. And one I have to tell myself quite often is that I'm not going to make everybody happy. Tony, can you imagine that? Everybody's not happy with a preacher. I'm, I'm not. I cannot make everybody happy. I, I'm going to make some people mad. Not intentionally. All the time. There are going to be people that just don't like me. And the truth is those same people probably don't like a lot of other people. Their spiritual gift is nastiness. I just don't like the way you're doing this. Why, why do you do it this way? Why didn't you go left when you could have gone right? Right was a shorter path. Why didn't you go right? Well, listen, God told me to go left. I listen to God. When it comes to God and you, I could care less what you say as long as God's leading, guiding me, and directing me. 
I'm not talking about from preaching. I'm talking about everyday life. Amen? Now, what, what, what we should do is the same thing that we see Paul doing in verse 51. Look at verse 51. It says, But shaking the dust off their feet against them, they proceeded to Iconium. Now, I'm not going to take my shoes off. Y'all know what they did. They, they took their sandals off, <laughs> dusted them, and walked away. They just walked away. Now, what did Paul do? What, what is it that he just did there? He was making a statement. He shook the dust off his feet against them and went to Iconium. He, he moved forward. Listen to me. He moved forward. Had he faced it before? Yeah. Was he, was he going to face it again? Yeah. Did he, was he going to face it again after that? Yeah. Was he going to face it again after that? Oh, yeah. Was he going to face it again after that? Yeah. You know what we see Paul doing this morning? Moving forward. Not backwards. Not sitting down. Not crying. Not feeling sorry for himself. Paul kept moving forward. This was a directive the Lord had given his apostles seen in Luke 9, 5. John Philip says this. It was the equivalent to, 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 uh, to calling them heathens and consign them to the judgment of God. Church, listen to me. You and I, all of us, need to keep moving forward. All day, every day. Brother Kyle, listen to me. You just, you just don't know I was hurt. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been hurt. Butch, listen, there, there's been times where I, I've wanted to sit down. I've tried to sit down. I've told her I'm done. I'm finished. I'm giving up. I'm quitting. I'm leaving the ministry. I'm going to drive a truck. I don't care anymore. And the Holy Spirit of God, just like in Jeremiah, said, uh-uh, you can't do that. I've called you. I've tried to sit down and quit preaching Ricky Tire. And God says, no, 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 no. And he's burned in my heart a desire that I can't control. I can't stop. I can't quench. I can't put out. I can't sit down. Am I the greatest Christian in the world? The greatest preacher in the world? Absolutely not. But I'm not quitting because I'm none of that. I've got to keep moving forward. Just like you. Blessed are you when men revile you and cast my name out as evil for my name's sake. Blessed are you. Great is your reward in heaven when men persecute and revile your name because of me. Matthew chapter 5. Why don't we glorify in that? Why, why don't we get excited? Church, Paul did all this for a reason. He, he was wanting something for God. You, you, you do remember, church, listen to me. We, we tend to forget this. You do remember that Satan is a liar. Right? Satan is a liar. Scripture tells us that he's roaming this earth seeking who may, he may devour. When we face opposition and when we give up, when we sit down, when we stop, we're letting Satan devour us. That, that's how it happens. 
We have in our minds that Satan's running after us and he's, he's trying to grab us with a pitchfork and drag us down and stab us with a pitchfork. No! Listen, he wants you to sit down on God because that's where our greatest joy comes from in serving God. And when we sit down on God, Satan's devouring us. And too often we allow it. We let him. We let him catch up to us. We need to keep moving forward for the glory of God. Even in the face of the greatest persecution, we need to keep moving forward. Now, let's look at the last thing that Paul did when, when, when things just didn't go his way. Is there anybody in here who think just things didn't go your way last week? Anybody? Anybody? Looking at the last month, hey, the last year. Is there anybody in here where, I mean, you just had some days, weeks, months, and things just weren't going your way? Anybody? Oh, glory to God. David's over there saying, yep, I thought I was going to be out of the hospital in a day, and I wasn't there for three weeks, two weeks. I mean, things are going to happen this way. Well, let's look at what Paul did when things didn't go his way. Look at verse 52. This Verse 52 says this. And the disciples were so sad, they sat down. They, they, they drank wine and they, they told sob stories about how, it used to, how fun it used to be to serve God. They talked about the glory days when, when they used to sing this type of stuff in, in church and not this type of stuff. Is that what that says? No, verse 52 says this. And the disciples, now remember, they had just been persecuted. Run out of town. They were run, Becky, they were run out of town. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You mean to tell me that, Brother Stan, you can be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit as people are running you out of town? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Listen to me. I, I, I've told y'all the story many times, but as your pastor was coming to Chevis Oaks Baptist Church, I was filled with a joy. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was leaving where God had me to go, be at one time, but I was coming where I knew God wanted me to be. Amen. Amen? And listen, that's what happened with Paul. Paul's like, okay, I got done over there. I, I'm done over there. God, listen, I did exactly what you told me to do. I didn't like the outcome, but I, I did what you told me to do. Now you're moving me forward. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to change my direction. I'm not going to change my message. I'm not, I know the outcome isn't going to change. But through it all, God, I am going to worship you. No matter what. Heard a story just this past week. This, this mother who, I think she had three or four children. And somebody in this room might have told me this story. I can't remember who it was that told me. It's been a crazy week, y'all. But this mother found out that her son was in a car wreck. And police came and took her to the hospital, and they didn't tell her anything. And she got to the hospital. Her husband met her there at the hospital, and they went into the room expecting him to be hooked up to the machines and, and what have you, and the doctors working on him and listening to the plan that the doctor was going to give them for how they were going to treat him and how he was going to get back to a normal life. And when the doctor arrived, the first thing he said was, I'm sorry. We did everything we possibly could. And at that time, the mother and the father both knew that their son, who was 16, 17 years old, was dead. 
Now put yourself in that position. I hope and pray that none of us ever have to do that. We never experience that. I'm going to tell you that the world is getting darker and darker every single day of my life. And this isn't in my sermon notes, but after this past week, what we saw uh, in Casey, South Carolina, with that six-year-old, six-year-old, please, church, please be vigilant with your children, watching them. Amy and I had to go to Charleston to visit one of her former students whose baby's not doing good in the hospital. And as we were driving, maneuvering our way back to 17 to, to get back home, we, we saw, I mean, this just happened this week. Tony, this just this week. And as we're driving through the streets, there is a three-year-old playing outside by herself. No adult anywhere around. None. None. And we drove just, I mean, not even a block, and there's this shady-looking dude walking right towards that child. We, we live in a dark, dark age. Dark age. Things are going to happen. How are you going to respond when they happen? How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond like the world expects you to respond? God, why did you allow this? To, I, I've been following you. I've been serving you. I, I, listen, I've given my life to you. I accepted you as a... How in the world can you do this to me? Why would you do this to me? That's what the world expects us to do. The world expects us, and Satan and his devouring methods, he, he tries to implore us to, to fall in the floor, lay down, suck our thumbs, and never give up, never, never get up ever serving God again. This lady and her husband stood outside the door, and as they walked in the room, the doctor walked in with them, and they saw their lifeless son laying on the bed. And the mother knelt down beside the bed and grabbed her son by the hand and started praising God for the time that God gave her with her son. But what was she doing? It was the very first step moving forward. Brother Kyle, I mean, you, you sound like it should be easy. Oh, no. No. M moving forward's not easy all the time. There's always an obstacle, always a barrier, always a pothole, especially if you're in South Carolina roads. I mean, there's, all, there's always something in your way, but you've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep moving forward. That's the only way the gospel is ever going to spread. Does it not just blow your mind that the gospel started in Jerusalem with, with Jesus Christ and 11 faithful disciples, and now it is all over the world today? How in the world did that happen in 2000? thousand years because those who experienced the fullness of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ did not stop. They kept moving forward. Hallelujah. Church, listen to me. If you're a child of God, saved by the grace of the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a beginning. Praise God, you have a beginning. Amen? You have a beginning. My question to you now is this. Are you moving forward? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed.
Father, as we come to you again this morning, we ask you to forgive us of our sins and where we fail you. Lord, we thank you that you love us. I don't understand how you love us. I don't understand how you love me, Lord. But you love us. And we pray that you would move amongst us this morning, your people. Help us to search our hearts, our lives, to see if we are truly moving forward. God, where something has, has knocked our feet out from under us and has halted us, please, Lord, help us to see it and get up and start moving forward for you again. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, I pray that today will be the day of salvation. During this invitation, they'll step out and they'll let me show them what Scripture says every person must do to be born again. Lord, I pray that each person who's in this room this morning will make a decision right now for you in some shape, form, or fashion to be a greater servant for you. In Jesus' name, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come this morning?